It's time to dive into the latest news and updates from the Vegas Golden Knights. This is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Live from Studio 31 inside City National Arena, this is KTAN, which I thought at the uh, initial offerings was a new radio station in Las Vegas. So it's nighttime at noon. Darren Millard along with Shane Natty. Getting you set uh, for Game 2 tomorrow night in the West Division Final. Also uh, chatting about some league news uh, happening in the National Hockey League and the Stanley Cup playoffs. A major upset in the North Division. The second significant uh, alteration from what was expected to happen uh, in those playoffs uh, that were late getting started but are starting to catch up uh, now. We'll also uh, tell you uh, the latest from the Central and the East. Uh, but out of the gate, uh, before we even get to Game 2 and the happenings uh, from the opener and a 7-1 Colorado win. Some uh, accolades coming the way of Marc-Andre Fleury, Shane. He has been named a Vesna Trophy finalist for the first time in his career. And it's really remarkable because we think of all, we've been watching him climb up the all-time lists for the last four years since becoming part of the Vegas Golden Knights. He's played his 17th year in the year. 36 years old, and he pulls off this accomplishment. And it speaks to why he is climbing the list. Third in all-time wins behind two Hall of Famers in Juan Brodeur uh, and many other lists. It seems those are going to eventually be the only two ahead of him. And uh, never had a Vesna nomination, and he does it this year. Uh, you know, complete turnaround. Just, you know, it speaks so much to me about his dedication, his competitiveness his drive at this game at that age and why he is so successful uh, the longevity he's had in his career well deserved well earned and uh, even more remarkable to do it at his age we kind of had it in the back of our minds that the uh, climb up the all-time list and to get to number three was uh, certainly attainable but it wouldn't be for another year <laughs> because he wouldn't get the number of starts yeah. and the necessary uh, opportunities. But because Robin Leonard was out, uh, Fleury stepped in and posted a 26-10 and 10 record. Uh, that is, in, in a 56-game schedule, is hard to uh, really absorb. Yeah, I don't think, you know, he saw him getting 26 wins. You know, yeah. 20 wins, even. You know, if they were splitting, it was supposed to be a clean rotation throughout the year. But, you know, Leonard goes down and Fleury takes advantage of the opportunity and that's what pros do that's how you get in the league you take an opportunity you make the most of it that's how you become a better player taking advantage whether you get elevated minutes power play special teams time uh you know in whatever role you have on that team and mark andre Fleury has made a career being a number one he kind of you know things shifted a bit last year certainly had a lot of stuff off ice to deal with and then came back this year made some adjustments to his game uh, true professional through and through. We know what he's like, you know, as one of the greatest human beings, so generous, so, so happy, great teammate, the ultimate teammate, but also the ultimate competitor. And he came in this year and took full, uh, he grabbed hold of the opportunity that was given to him and ran with it. He just was phenomenal. What a great season for him. And as I mentioned, just, uh, you know, this was well-deserved for him. And it's good to see Flurry be recognized uh, for what he was able to do to, to, I guess, bounce back in a sense and uh, be nominated as one of the top three goaltenders in the National Hockey League. Yeah, the, the timing of it. Like you, you look back on his career in 10 years' time and you see Vezina Trophy finalist, maybe a Vezina Trophy yeah. win, uh, and we'll get into that uh, a little deeper. But that won't be surprising that he had the nomination. 
what will be when will be coming off the bubble and being in the support role uh, and being 36 years of age. And I mean, there's there's a lot that worked against him going into this year, and he still produced these numbers. Talks of trades right. and moving and everything that went in on the off season. Then they come back, they commit to these two goaltenders, uh, you know, which carries a lot of the salary against the cap for for the Golden Knights and. You know, could you imagine if they hadn't had him and Leonard went down? It's just, you know, he 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 didn't let it phase him. He came in, and, and that's about being the, the teammate he is. It's a team-first mentality he's always had. That's why he has three Stanley Cups, which will probably be his most prized possessions. He's hoping to add to that. Uh, but certainly this is a, a huge accolade for him uh, to finally be nominated. But just... Uh, yeah, what what a season! You can't you can't say enough good things about Mark Andre Fleury, and when it's all said and done, which is hopefully not for a few years, and we can watch him climb some more lists, but uh, certainly, in my opinion, he is a Hall of Famer. Mark Andre Fleury's competition for the Vesna Trophy, which is voted on by general managers, uh, not the media, in uh, in this case, will be Philip Grubauer currently embroiled in this West Division final uh, against the Golden Knights and Andre Vasilevsky, who has uh, won the Vesna Trophy in the past, uh, plays goal for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Vasilevsky has the uh, notoriety uh, yeah. of, of winning the trophy before. Philip Grubauer is probably uh, right there with Flurry, having great numbers this year. This will be an interesting race. It, w- it really will. And, you know, Vasilevsky is just you watch him play at his age. He's in the prime of his career, top goaltender every year. Uh, you know, led Tampa Bay Lightning to their Stanley Cup last season. He's able to do it this year without one of their top players, Kucherov. You need a guy to step up. Goaltending such an the most important position, especially this time of the year. And that's why you saw them able to knock off the Florida Panthers. I think mm-hmm. they certainly had the advantage in goal. And Philip Grubauer has been a great story. You know, I – Kind of that was maybe a question mark at the beginning of the year. The Avalanche, we knew what they, how dynamic they were going to be, you know, as players up front, and then young defensemen, the, you know, and up front McKinnon and Rontanen and Lannis Cog, the whole array of talent they have. But was goaltending going to be good enough? And Grubauer has been able to step in. I don't think they have the backup that right. uh, certainly the Golden Knights do. Or the, or the one-two combination, but uh, Philip Grubauer has been terrific. And, you know, watching him play, he looks so in control. And every game the Golden Knights have played him, it, it is not easy to beat him. Uh, so three worthy candidates, in my opinion. Those are the three kind of I had to, to be in the – competition here to win the Vesna. Uh, the uh, numbers, so when you go to the analytics, all, all do say Marc-Andre Fleury had the best season. I, I won't get too deep into it because, it's, uh, <laughs> quite frankly, it's confusing. Uh, but uh, but Fleury actually has the best uh, deep analytic numbers. Uh, well, give us a few of them. You, well, come on, you know. Like, like saves above yes. replacement, all, all those yeah. kind of things. Uh, Just high danger saves. Yeah, uh, but the, the – the issue is the general managers. The, it always has been that they don't. They just look at wins, yeah. uh, and and Vasilevsky has that. Grubauer has that. So um, it'll be interesting to see where where it goes when we see the final list. Whether it's Flurry on top or Vasilevsky, who has the notoriety uh, and been a finalist before managers have written his name down uh, before, or whether uh, I, I think there'll be a sentimental. Uh, Pull, well, I also uh, won his first Jennings. Yeah. So, you know, he's already got one award, him and Robin Leonard. 
wrapping up the Jennings Trophy, and, and a lot of that is it's it's a it's for both goaltenders and what they were able to do. And Flurry did carry the majority of that, but Leonard was great when he played. And uh, yeah, I I'd like to see him. It, it'll be interesting how the GMs do vote on this and uh, who they pick. And is you know East versus West? There's yeah. always a little bit of that. Although we didn't really have East West this year, but I'll give you I'll give you a, a sort of a spin on that though. Uh, and comes to vote splitting. Uh, Vasilevsky uh, is in the central, so he'll yeah. he'll have the attention of the general managers in that loop. Uh, he's known to the managers in the uh, East Division, but Grubauer and Fleury, like who gets the votes from the general managers in the West Division, and they might just split that because they've been so successful. Fleury spent a little bit of time in the East. Hmm? Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Um, well, when you think about it, and, and you think about the GMs, the guy that you know, if you're talking about a bigger sample size of a career, certainly they're all of them are way more familiar with Mark Andre Fleury and what he's done in his career, and then to see him do it again this season. I would like to the National Hockey League to nominate a, a, a winner from each division and have four finalists come through and then you vote on the four finalists just because of what you said you haven't been able to see uh all the other why don't you give gary bettman a call i did i i suggested this a couple of times to people within the league and get uh, gary to call him i was told <laughs> yes law law man uh, can you do that and i was told that the, that was a good idea and they'd look at it but apparently it never came to uh, fruition uh there those are your vesna trophy finalists andre vasilevsky philip grubauer and mark Andre Fleury, who uh, is a Vezina finalist, along with winning the Jennings Trophy this year with Robin Leonard, uh, the Selkie Trophy uh, finalists, yes. which we anticipate Mark Stone will be. I would certainly in hope so. Will be out uh, in about a week. Sunday. Sunday. I believe Sunday the sixth. That uh, we'll keep an eye on on that one. So th- it's that's a pretty cool thing to have if they can have two finalists. Oh, it really is. And it- you know, Mark Stone's certainly, to me, one of the top three defensive forwards without question each and every year he plays. Uh, and it's unique for him because usually the award is centerman. Mm-hmm. But Stone being a winger and his ability every year to lead in takeaways and you just watch him play, his, his awareness on, on the defensive side of the puck, his positioning, uh, it's, it's always right right where it needs to be he, he thinks the game so fast that's the award that i worry the most about interdivision play only because i think you have to see see mark stone and watch him in in person uh, and really pay attention to what he's who's done. the last winger to win it uh letnin yeah yuri letnin yuri letnin uh so that's that's the one where now stone getting into the top 10 conversation of points helps immensly uh, and there, there there is that part yeah. of it uh, you have to be able to the produce ability points. to produce and defend yeah. is it's certainly to me those things go hand in hand when thinking about selkie winners uh I put you on the spot a little bit here yeah, but yeah. uh Vas- vasilevsky is the odds-on favorite for the vesna be- just because he's won it before uh but you look at stone if he can get into the conversation who do you think would have a better chance for from a vegas standpoint of being able to bring that home like we're still heartbroken about william carlson not winning uh a couple of years ago lady bing yeah uh that that finalist uh nomination with the 40 goals i i don't know whether i'd like to say stone is a no-brainer for the selkie but i've been 
yeah. upset uh, by voting uh, totals in, in the past. Marc-Andre Fleury's got the sentimental drive, mm-hmm. along with incredible numbers, 9-2-8 save percentage and uh, goals against average below two. Uh, those numbers should be enough to win the Vesna, but I... I don't know who would have a better shot of, of bringing home one of those individual trophies. I, I think they both have a really good shot. I, I really do. And maybe, you know, of course we are biased. We see these players a lot more. I watch a lot hockey all around the league, so I shouldn't say that. But on a day-to-day basis, I think a guy like Mark Stone, that was an excellent point you make because we see him and you see the details to his game. It's not something that jumps out in a game, all yeah. those little plays that he does consistently each and every game or in practice when we watch him and knock down pucks, stop pucks, turn it around from, you know, defensive positioning to then then he creates an offensive chance or a goal off a great defensive play. And um, I I think they both have a real good shot. Well, first, Stone has to get nominated, so we can't right. get ahead of ourselves here. But in, in If he's opinion, not nominated, uh, I will personally go Who else go do you have getting rant. nominated? I'll put you on the spot. Uh Bergeron, yeah. uh, for sure, uh, with the season that they had, because there's a lot of question marks, and yeah. they are sunk without that line. And it took them a while and the, and the trade deadline and, and to, to come around. Uh, I had Sasha Barkov, too, yeah, uh, as a finalist. I, I didn't get to vote, but I kind of went through my thing. And uh, and Barkov uh, from, from the Florida Panthers was marvelous. Yeah, I, I think both those guys, incredible players, uh, known Bergeron a long time. He's won it a few times, mm-hmm. four now? A <laughs> couple, couple, yeah. Four. Uh, so he's kind of, you know, every year you see his name, and with good reason, certainly deserved. Uh, Barkov has really come on. He kind of, I think, finally getting that recognition he deserves as one of the top players in the league down with the Florida Panthers, kind of overlooked maybe in that market. But, it was a great year. The Panthers, although they didn't get the success they wanted, that series against Tampa kind of for a place that needed to drive some fans yeah. into the building, I think that helped. And, and they got to see the talent they have. Barkoff, Huberto, uh, Mackenzie Weger uh, really stepped it up. They've got a good young goalie. It's going to be. I don't know what they're going to do with the one they're paying all the money to but uh, <laughs> in Bobrovsky, but Spencer Knight looks to be the goalie of the future uh, for the Florida Panthers. Um, so, yeah, let's, I, we'll see if we're right. Bar, I, yeah. I'll, I'll agree with you. Barkov, Bergeron, and Stone. I can guarantee you this. I may not be uh, right on the the Barkov, Bergeron, Stone uh, part of it, but there will not be a Selkin finalist from the North Division. <laughs> <laughs> and it won't be and it won't be the guy who won last year. They had a tough year. Yeah. Sean Couturier. Yeah. And and I love him. Yeah. Like, he, uh, is, he is just uh, – he's a hockey player. Just through and through. The the awards were voted on prior to the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs. We should make mention of that. Uh, so Marc-Andre Fleury's Game 7 uh, victory uh, over the Minnesota Wild is yeah. is not considered in that. Anything that's happened so far in the playoffs, you're not penalized or or you can't capitalize on that uh, as well. So we'll, uh, we'll keep a, an eye on that. We're 15 minutes in the show. Uh, we're going to have to deal with what happened on the weekend. Yeah, we better talk uh, about at, it. At some point. Uh, we'll take a break and we'll come back with that. Uh, make sure you stop by City National Arena located right here in downtown Summerlin. Bring the family to learn to skate like the pros at the official practice facility of the Vegas Golden Knights. For hours and programming, visit citynationalarena.com. Back and we'll talk about Game 1 of the West Division Final against the Colorado Avalanche on nighttime at noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to nighttime at noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Shane Nighty picking away at the uh, guitar right there. Official recording from the uh, <laughs> Nighty uh, household right now. You, you, you 
do a little bit of not the guitar. much. No, that no. touch though. No, that, that's Dave Gosher's thing. Uh, Dave Gosher will be on Nighttime at Noon uh, later on this week, uh, along with all of the VGK broadcasters as we uh, chat about uh, the happenings in the Stanley Cup playoffs and the march through the 2021 uh, postseason by the Vegas Golden Knights, which uh, hit a bit of a a speed bump on the weekend. We will get into uh, what happened in game number one uh, in more detail right now. And uh, it's not going to be pretty, but we don't want to overplay it. And one thing I will say is... The fan base is emotional. That's great. They're passionate. That's great. But the living and dying by one game has to just cool a little bit. And I don't know how we get that across, but uh, after game one against Minnesota in, in overtime, uh, there, was, uh, there was angst that <laughs> went away. Uh, this is going to be tough, uh, but that, like, the, the 7-1 game is not representative of these two teams Vegas and Colorado well a couple things in my opinion is yes you'd like to start the series off right I mm-hmm. thought they might have a little carryover uh, to play better but looked like more fatigue and you get behind against that team that had been sitting resting waiting they came out they were shot out of a gun they're ready to go the avalanche credit to them and what they were able to do uh, and come out, and the Golden Knights looked like they just went through a real tough grind seven-game series, which they did against the Wild, who gave them everything they could to get through that series. It is tough to win. But in playoffs, you have to have the ability. If it's one game, two games, it's bad. And I don't like to reference a lot. I was on a team that went to the final and won. Down 2 nothing in the first round, lost the first two games. Stanley Cup Finals lost the first two games. You've got to move on. So, there, yes, the fan base, I get it. You upset your team's down a game or down two games, but it's not over. It takes four wins. Uh, just saw, we'll talk about it later, the Montreal Canadiens didn't think it was over. Right. And, unfortunately, it is for the Toronto Maple Leaf fans, uh, <laughs> which is not going well up uh, north of us. Uh, that said, the Golden Knights, it was one of those games that they, they just did not have it. Now, the other factor is why did Marc-Andre Fleury not start? I think it was the right call. I think it was a good game to put Leonard in to see what uh, could be done. Unfortunately, he didn't have much help. Uh, Fleury needed the rest. And in no circumstance whatsoever as that game continued to get out of hand should Fleury come in, continue to rest him. It's, it's not fair, and it was unfortunate that Robin Leonard had to bear all that weight of a game like that in which there was not much support. Um, they, they didn't have it, and you know, the other thing I look at is I would rather lose 7-1, be PO'd, angry, embarrassed, whatever you want to do, than lose a game and double overtime 2-1 in which you know you had a chance. This, they know they didn't have a chance. They totally need to regroup, and this team's been really good at doing that. The Golden Knights have done a great job. So uh, I'm, you know, you got to move on from this game. Was it good? No, it was not good. Um uh, there was a lot of things you didn't like in this game. Certainly the Graves hit. It was on Yanmark. We'll see what happens there as Pete DeBoer speaking, I believe, in about an, a little over an hour from now. I don't know if there will be an update on his status. I thought it should have been a five-minute penalty for interference. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't. Um, but you can't let those things bother Ryan Reeves answered back maybe a little more than you'd like. So he's out for two games. But it's a next-man-up mentality. They've got to reset. You bury that game and you move on. That's that's how it's handled here. You can't dwell on the past whatsoever. They've got to learn from it. This is one they can learn from and realize, hey, we got to be a lot better 
And, and I think we'll see a different team here in game two. Uh, Pete, uh, on the same page as you when it comes to trying to uh, differentiate between a close loss like we saw in the yeah. opener against Minnesota and then the blowout defeat in game one versus Colorado. This is a cut to Pete DeBoer yesterday talking about the difference between a rebounding after uh, a blowout loss. Sometimes, yeah. You know, I think when, when, you, uh, when we look at that game as a group, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't do enough things well enough for long enough in order to, to, uh, deserve to win. So, you know, it, it's pretty easy to recognize that and it's pretty easy to move on from that. And, and I think our group's been really good all year, uh, about fixing, uh, that when, uh, when we've had games like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, if, if you come out and play great, uh, and lose 2-1, um, you know, sometimes that is a little more disheartening. We, we got what we deserved last night, and uh, I know we'll bounce back. Today's media availability involving uh, Pete DeBoer, and uh, just to explain why it's easier uh, to come back from a 7-1 loss than a 2-1 loss is maybe your your all your flaws are exposed there's no hey we could have done this this or this and and we're, we're you can convince yourself after a 2-1 loss we're we're that close yeah. we're we're okay no you're absolutely right i think after you lose a game you, it it sticks with you longer it's thinking, oh if i would have just did this or this shift <laughs> well you there's nothing they can analyze that was like the list would go on and on for what they needed to do they didn't they didn't have anything going the right way and i think Pete DeBoer put it best he said we got what we deserved and, you know, that's not often what you say. If you lose in overtime, it's like, you know, maybe we deserve better. Right. Well, you, certainly it's easy. They're not going to say that after a 7-1 loss. And uh, they, they've got, they saw the power play. They saw, they saw the call. And they got, the other thing is they got a full view of the Colorado Avalanche, their strengths, and what they're going to need to do, the adjustments that they're going to be made. It all, a lot of it will start with the Golden Knights, their preparation, how they play. Um, but also they, they got a little preview of how dynamic that team can be if, if you don't play the right way and if you're not ready to go out and execute your game plan. Darren Millard along with Shane Natty. It's nighttime at noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. So we are here, uh, the Vegas Golden Knight broadcasters, uh, every day at noon. Uh, Logan Thompson has been named the American Hockey League Goaltender of the Year. He will join the VGK Insider Show at 4.30 uh, this afternoon. Even down 2 nothing uh, in game number one, I, I was okay. I thought Vegas was all right. Get to the intermission. Second periods have been dynamite uh, <laughs> for the Golden Knights. And instead of being able to respond in the second, that's when I knew okay, this is not the day. Yeah. Uh, when, when Colorado came out and there was no real pushback, yeah. it was just poured on. Well, the Golden Knights just couldn't manage the puck. I think the neutral zone, they were unable to come through. And we talk about Colorado and, the, and how explosive they are offensively. Defensively, they're really good. They just they and part of that is I don't think the Golden Knights had the pace they need in their game. They weren't moving their feet. They weren't crisp. They weren't clean. But credit the the Avalanche that really they had easy exits. There was, wasn't much of a pressure of a forecheck from the Golden Knights, so it allowed Colorado to really break out clean. And I thought in the neutral zone, Vegas just couldn't get speed and then poor decisions with the puck, which were turnovers. And it's a team that's going to make you pay. They can turn it back in a hurry. So. Uh, some areas that need to be a lot better. You ever see, like, with your own eyes, in real time, a player gather that much speed, that fast, 
than Nathan McKinnon did on the on his goal, on his breakaway goal. I've seen it with Connor McDavid. He put those two in the exact same breath, the way they – how explosive they are. And if you don't have that support on the back and if you can't gap up and be moving – if you're at a standstill, you forget it. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it – you see it from McKinnon, you see it from Connor McDavid. Those two guys are – otherworldly with their speed if you give them too much time and space there's not much you can do either than hope your goaltender makes the save i happen to be sitting about five feet to your left when that play happened and i won't repeat the word uh but it was uh what i heard was more a concern it wasn't like here we go it was oh crap yeah <laughs> because you could see the speed just come uh, and, and i, I knew he was no gone chance. yeah, yeah. Before that play developed, because there was so much, there was nobody. And, and talking about the neutral zone, how good the Avalanche were, Vegas was not good. They just left too much space. And that allows players like McKinnon to come, and then you kind of leave your defense so vulnerable because they're trying to gap up. But if there's no pressure from behind, uh, yeah, it's you're, you're not going to be able to stop a man that comes at you with that amount of speed and velocity. And then not only can they skate like that, but their hands move that quickly. They're able to make plays and finish off and score. Just uh, remarkable talent uh, that you need to be aware of a lot more when he's on the ice, that, that whole line. It reminds me of uh, if you stand at a line and you jump forward, so the standing long jump or whatever you want to call it, uh, and then you're allowed uh, 15 feet of run-up. That's sort of what the, what the difference with, with Nathan McKinnon. He just has that speed to be able to uh, turn on. And then the line and throw yeah, in Kale McCarr. Like that was a day where that team was on. Well, now it's to make sure they're off. You've got to make it more difficult on them, and it starts with trying to make them defend more. So that, that's for Vegas, which is a team that you know, likes to roll four-line, and we saw it in Game 7. We saw it in parts of that series against Minnesota. When they're effective is when they, they come in at you in waves, when they're able to put the puck in a good area, get in on the forecheck, handle puck possession in the offensive zone. That wears down. That grinds down. I, Kale McCarr, Gerard, these defensemen that can really wheel the puck up for the avalanche, they're the guys you got to try and finish hits on. You've got to force them to grind it in their own end. They don't want to play there. Mm-hmm. This, this is a team that wants to play with the puck. So puck possession is going to be a big part of it, puck management. And, and I think you know these are all the conversations Vegas will be having. I'm sure Pete DeBoer, the coaching staff, has gone through. Uh, it's pretty glaring what went wrong. I'm, the players are aware. They know where they were wrong. They didn't, they didn't go out and play the way they wanted to. They, there's a plan in place. And they've been able to do it before and beat the Avalanche during the regular season. But that plan had lots of holes in it in game one. Think back to the previous time that they met, and that was the game that DeVegas was shorthanded and carried the play, dominated the play. And that that game, they played with 15 skaters. But because of that, they did not try to force the puck. They, They just put it in areas where they could get, and they just kept the avalanche on their heels because they're constantly putting pucks behind them, putting pressure. Uh, that was a game I, I remember watching and say, I think I may have asked one of the, I can't remember the coaches, my memory is poor, but it said, is that one of your best games of managing the puck? And they said, yes. I think it was Steve Spot. Steve Spot. I, I'm actually time. making that up. Well, you don't ask questions. At least no. you're on the call and can remember. So you I, did something. <laughs> I, the coaches don't want to hear but from yeah, me. But it wasn't that, that was one of those games that really yeah. stood out. And uh, so that I'm sure will be readdressed. People notice that I'm just there, not asking questions. I know you're there. <laughs>
Uh, we're going to get into Ryan Reeves. Uh, he will not be available for the next couple of games. We'll chat about that, and we will get to uh, the other major happenings in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, a bizarre yet unexpected but expected collapse uh, in the North Division by an original six team uh, at the hands of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, we will continue and roll on on nighttime at noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Live from City National Arena, this is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. For exclusive Vegas Golden Knights gear, visit one of the Vegas Golden Knights official team store locations, the Armory, located at T-Mobile Arena, and the Arsenal, location at City National Arena, or VegasTeamStore.com today. Darren Millard along with Shane Nighty. I'm starting to think that this might be uh, like a daily thing, you and I just hanging out. Sounds great, Darren. We hang <laughs> out. We hang out anyways every day. <laughs> see me every day. Uh, Dakota Miller also here. Uh, questions, comments. Uh, let us know on Twitter. Uh, tweet uh, either at Shane uh, Knighty or at Darren Millard using the hashtag Nighttime at Noon. Uh, we will make uh, Dakota uh, fire yeah. over some questions. Gary would get jealous first off. Oh yes. If, if, yeah, if, if, I, if you if started you did hanging it. with me too much, yeah, Gary'd be guaranteed. Jealous that gary's gary's listening right now we'll get uh, the first tweet that we'll mention that dakota <laughs> will read will be from gary don't forget about me uh gary lawless dan duva uh, up in uh, denver waiting game two tomorrow night the golden knights uh, trailing the best of seven series one nothing the next two games game two tomorrow and game three back at uh, t-mobile arena on friday will be played sans Ryan Reeves, who's been suspended for a couple of games by the player safety department. May have been a bit over the line. Mm, yeah. And and that said, I, I agree with Pete DeBoer. For a guy that's been in that role as long as he has, he's done a good job being clean at it. And sometimes uh, it's not just that role. Sometimes any player, whatever your role is as a player, can cross the line. And uh, that's why I have the Department of Player Safety. They they handle those situations uh, I think there there needed to be a little bit of a response for you know that hit on Yanmark to to Graves, but uh, uh, possibly got a little too much and they took care of it. So he'll be out for two games, and now it's some you know it's up to somebody to come in, whether it's Keegan Colasar uh, to come in and play. But I think they need to be more physical in the way they play it, it, on the right side of the line. Yeah, to be smart to to keep it within uh, the parameters of the rules, and because you certainly do not want to be shorthanded. And are we going to talk about that? Yes. Speaking yes. of that, yes. Shorthead, Ed, uh, did you did you find out? You're the stat man. I nine uh, minutes because we I've were, never seen that. <laughs> we were watching the game together. I took a picture of the 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 scoreboard bug on NBCSN when it showed the nine minute power play, <laughs> and so I reached out to NHL stats and just to find out. And they're amazing. Like yeah. uh, I, there's nothing that I can't throw at them that they can't come back. So, but this I thought I had them this time. Had there ever been a nine-minute power play uh, where all the penalties, that whole power play, was uh, basically assessed to one player? And it happened one time. Since they started tracking power yeah. plays and penalties uh, in 1944-45, it's happened one other time. 1996, Philadelphia Flyers and the Tampa Bay Lightning, Sean Antosky. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was tough. Yep. Uh, he got a match penalty, and then there was uh, two minor penalties attached, and the Philadelphia Flyers, this is the uh, tag on, were able to kill all nine minutes 
Uh, well, I don't nights know. weren't far off. No, they, they weren't, which was incredible the way that the, the Colorado yeah. Avalanche were thrown around. So it's the, actually the, sec- it's the first time I can remember it happening, yeah. but it's the second time in, in NHL history as far as the NHL stats Boy. are concerned. That's incredible. Yeah, it's, you're not used to seeing that pop up. And it's <laughs> that, not, uh, did you not think I've it was a mistake? Played, uh, I didn't. And I, I'm looking, and I'm t- I saw I saw mine, and I thought it was only seven minutes, but then popped up. Yeah, he got uh, assessed uh, nine minutes in penalties, and – you know, that's tough, especially in a game when you're down 6-1. You're like, oh, got to kill nine this. Nine minutes? And they gave it they did everything. full, that, full you know, bore, yeah. which is impressive. Like, Martinez blocking shots. They're all they're all in the lanes. That's that's hockey. Yeah, that's hockey. Uh, you're down 6-1 because um, if I'm in a similar situation, uh, I'm mailing it in, yeah. uh, quite frankly. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Uh, stamp, put the stamp on the envelope. Uh, uh, I'm mailing it in. You, you think, like back to Reeves, uh, you're in one of those scrums. Like you're probably thinking nobody can see. There were, we're, we're yeah, but, the but camera all angles the, are, but the cameras are cameras all, like, they, they're all zoomed around. right in. You can't get away with anything. And, and I know a lot of the argument was, and people have a right, because I agree with it. The first thing you think of when that happened, Ryan Reeves, what happened with the Rangers and the Capitals and Tom mm. Wilson? And he got nothing. Right. There's an argument there. I don't make the final call, but that would be, I would relate and say, well, how come? And I'm sure they, they had their reasons, what was different, but they both didn't look great. Tom um, Wilson was kind of like in. Uh, yeah, I know the you. You thought it was play. fine. Yeah, but anyway, it's uh, it. Yeah, there's nothing going to do. You got to move on from it. He was given two games, and now it's a matter of the Golden Knights. Okay, we move on, and someone comes in, and hopefully they can inject some energy into the lineup, and away you go. How greasy were you in a scrum? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I would have probably tried to do the exact same thing. <laughs> I would have been. You watch the game with yeah. me. I get uh, I get a little uh, earlier, late nineteen nineties, early two thousands angry. Every eye gouge. I've I've been fish hooked. I've been oh, eye yeah. gouged. Yeah, in scrums. Uh, Kurt Maltby, when I was with the, I remember playing this playoffs Predators, and I was in a pile, and he dug his finger into my eye. Oh, yeah, that was not fun. So you get him back. Yep, that it's all that stuff used to happen, but less cameras back then, Darren. It's a it's a. Safer sport now. I'd bite. <laughs> Jeez, that's illegal too. <laughs> that, it's not. No, but that no. that happened uh, in playoffs uh, in the finals. Vancouver, Boston. Right. Bur- Burroughs bit uh, Berger. Was it Bergeron? Yes. Yes. Uh, by the way, when you guys lost the <laughs> so first two it's not games, like this stuff hasn't happened. No. Uh, that 2011 final, you went in Vancouver, and uh, and well, it like it didn't look good for you. I didn't they? They won the Vancouver. first two games, and then I remember it came out in the paper. The Vancouver, the city of Vancouver, started planning their parade. So you paid attention to that? Oh, you you take any fuel you can. That really? just fuels you as a team. Yeah, I always thought that was overplayed in that series. The, I think it's a player. You, you, you pull motivation from anywhere you can. Uh, that because the weird swings in the motion, but. Vancouver, then they looked good. They they did look good after the first two games. Uh, what and, happened though? It didn't matter. Well, Luongo couldn't win in Boston. Doesn't matter. That's uh, that's what happened. And you guys had Timmy Thomas, who was uh, who was outstanding. And there was a couple of significant plays in the midst of of that series that that got the yeah. fuel fired up uh, even more. So no Reeves. You think Colasar goes in? I think Colasar certainly. Uh, that's the the fit for me with Brown and Carrier. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll wait and see about Yanmark and what happens there. What do you think of that hit? Uh, 
I didn't like it. Hmm. I I, like I'm it. surprised I, I it didn't get a fine. I think it was, I think it was five and a fine. I don't yeah. think it was a suspendable one. It was a late hit. Uh, his bot to me the contact. You know his his arm was down, tucked in. He's just a bigger guy and unfortunate where the contact was made. But I think initial contact was chest, shoulder, cut, head, and. Uh, but still, to me, it was a five-minute penalty and possibly a fine. Uh, the other happenings in the Stanley Cup playoffs, yes. game two, by the way, tomorrow night, at, there's an extra day uh, in this because the Denver Nuggets are playing in an NBA playoff game. So Avalanche and the Golden Knights will go at it tomorrow night at Ball Arena in Denver for game two, and you can hear the call right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Uh, last night, the first round was complete with the – uh, Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens playing just the second ever Game 7 between those two teams, which shocked me that they'd never played uh, more than than one Game 7 before uh, with those clubs. Toronto on home ice lets a 3-1 series lead evaporate and are upset by the number 4 seed in Montreal. Are you surprised? Is it expected, unexpected? I am surprised because everybody has... Toronto has been the favorite since about the first 20 games on mm-hmm. to be the team that comes out of the north. And, you know, I'm trying to put this in terms because a lot of people down here ask the significance of that series. I say, well, it's Yankees, Red Sox. Yeah. I think that is the easiest way, those teams. And I don't know which one would be the Yankees. Maybe Toronto, although Montreal's one more. But Toronto's kind of like that's hockey cent- yeah. central ne- there yeah. in the media and but it's a huge story up there that Toronto Maple Leafs have not gotten past the first round since 2004. This was supposed to be the team that went. Uh, a lot of people said they could go all the way. Uh, they had the 3-1 lead. They lost their captain, though, John Tavares, in the first game. That's a huge loss, but they still were able to win. You know, Austin Matthews won you know, most goals, Rocket. Uh, trophy winner this year for the NHL, Mitch Marner. So much talent, Nylander, uh, but lost Muzzin too, and lost Muzzin, their best all-around defenseman. And you know, Jack Campbell love the love his compete, the goaltender. Great story, what he's able to do this year. But when it comes down to it, I said this position's the most important. Carey Price, uh, you know, was the better goalie, and the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, that game seven, they dominated. It was their best game of the series. There was a few overtime games. They got, maybe got lucky to, to win and to push this series on, but full credit to the Canadians. It is a shock up there what has just happened with the Leafs being ousted in the first round. I mean, same thing with the Edmonton Oilers. You, you know, yeah, Connor McDavid, who led in points by a lot. You had Austin Matthews, who led in goals by a lot. Doesn't matter. Team first. Yeah, all the high-priced guys. Salary? And they're out. It, it really is. It, it's it's interesting to see. You know, I think Carey Price is the only double-digit paid yes. player to win. And he was spectacular. Uh, so Toronto, uh, they fall again. They haven't won a series since 2004, you mentioned. Yeah. Were, were you on? I wasn't on that team. No, I was going to say. I was in Nashville then. I, I was there the the years before when they beat uh, the Ottawa. I was listening to the Toronto radio broadcast for a bit of the second period yesterday, and uh, they were bringing up Joe Newendike against Patrick Laline. Yes, and down the left wing. They, yeah, they were doing everything they could to create some kind of good vibe. And what happened was uh, Gallagher comes down. Like, right after they mentioned that, 
and scores really? all, almost the, almost the, the exact same type of goal. Uh, Winnipeg will now face Montreal in the North Division final. Didn't expect that. So you have yeah. uh, the two lowest-ranked teams is still left in the Stanley Cup playoffs facing uh, each other there, and one versus two overall in the standings in Colorado and Vegas. What that means is the winner of the West will face the winner of the North in the third round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's really interesting, and I think you were, you might have retweeted this last night, and I looked at it, and I couldn't believe it. Like, here's the second round of the playoff. You got, this is rankings overall this season in the NHL. One versus two, Colorado-Vegas. Three versus eighth overall in Carolina-Tampa. Then you have 10th versus 12th in Boston, the Islanders, and 14th versus 18th. And they have a chance to go to the semifinals. So teams yeah. that finish 14 and 18. It, it a remind- team that finishes 18th in a normal year usually isn't in. It doesn't get in. Yeah. I I think. And they'll uh, probably be the, you know, the, you know Montreal, I don't know if they'll be the favorite coming in. but Well, don't it, you think really, Winnipeg's got a real good chance? I do. There? I do. Um, because they, of the goal, like they can measure up against yeah. Carey Price with Connor Hellebuck. It's, uh, but yeah, it's it's strange that you know you have one and two playing against. It should be like one versus fourteen two or one versus eighteen two versus fourteen, but that's not the way it works out. Unique year, and uh, we'll see what happens. The Montreal Canadiens went on from Toronto straight to Winnipeg. They'll play game number one of that series tomorrow night in a very similar situation to what uh, Vegas was in in having to go right back into action against a team that uh, that swept. So we'll, we'll see if the similar thing uh, plays out in that one. Uh, we have Game 2 for the Vegas Golden Knights uh, coming up tomorrow night on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Uh, a brief look ahead as we uh, complete this hour of Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to Nighttime at Noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Checking out the clock, making sure I know exactly when to uh, get off the air, making sure that uh, Fox Sports Las Vegas stays on schedule. Darren Millard, Shane Natty on nighttime at noon. Let's go over to uh, Dakota Miller, who's uh, manning our uh, Q&A session. Yeah, I have a question for you guys. Uh, We've been playing, the Knights have been playing a game every other day, so a little over two weeks now, and we suddenly get uh, two days of break between games. How big is that? I, it's, it's even more important coming off a loss like they had to to wipe it away. I think it's a real good day for them to reset, to re-energize. Uh, yesterday, uh, which was uh, Monday, to kind of, you know, get their rest they needed. And now practice day, get back on the ice. The energy's there. You're excited. You can review. Go through your systems. Go through your game plan. And, and do it with a high energy because you've had that extra day to kind of let everything kind of filter away bury it move on guys will be in a good mood they'll be excited and and for me that's a lot better the preparation and the rest from a seven game series they, they needed that extra time uh not only for that to maybe heal an extra day of healing for some players that may need it and also emotionally mentally it's a it's a real good day for them to have that extra one but today the focus is back on uh, I believe they're on the ice at one o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, high energy practice. I bet uh, there'll be the chirping. Everything will be out there. The excitement will be back in their game. The legs and uh, now they'll be ready for tomorrow game day morning skate and and the adrenaline ramps up as they get ready for another uh, playoff game here. Game two one in which they want to try and get that split to come home with. 
the uh, there was some great video uh, out there. Ben Goats, I believe, tweeted it out uh, of Ryan Reeves and Jonathan Marshall yeah, jostling. Uh, Marshall is trying to get off the ice and and Reeves. So they're 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 having some fun. You need to have that fun. That that's the energy you want to have around the team. I think they've got a real good group, a veteran group. We hear Pete DeBoer talk about it all the time. They know how to handle situations. Uh, we've heard about how close the group is, which. I think is absolutely imperative if you're going to go on a long run to have that closeness within that room, the the ability to have – there's going to be certain guys that are more serious, but you need to have those characters that can ramp it up at different times, whether it's jokes, whether it's a prank by Flurry, whether it's Reeves jostling with Marcheseau, whether it's Marcheseau, whatever it is, all those things, all those intangibles are important away from the game. Back to the speaker's corner. What else do you have, Dakota? One more. Um is there a significant difference to you when playing in high altitude? Yes. That's the other reason, I think, in a couple extra days to acclimate to that. It bothers you for a little bit when you first get there. And they've done things. There's been teams that have tried. They feel less time before that. It's more in when you're going to play the first game. They've been there. I think they're acclimated now. Um, you get shorter on breath. Uh, you don't have the wind. But it's usually that first game, first period, you kind of feel a little heaviness in your lungs. Um, and they've done some teams have tried to go, you know, closer to game time. They say it's easier to pick it up. I, I, I really don't know. It's just something I think you deal with. You notice it? I, like I you... know, not me. I was always out of, I, <laughs> no, I was no. always out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> but you were on this from the start uh, when when we did the the Knights yeah. report uh, on on Sunday. You were talking about the the altitude. well. I, I wasn't sure their pl- travel plans because there's mm-hmm. two days where they're going to come back. I think it's best to stay there and 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 to practice to get a full practice. Uh, you know where it is, you are at a higher altitude to adjust. So uh, there, I don't know about a significant difference, but it is a difference. Uh, Dakota, anything else, or do you just want to chime in and be a be a third uh, person? Uh, I, on I the have show? a question, Darren. Who's yeah. going to start tomorrow? <laughs> uh, starting goal. Yeah. Uh, what, don't, don't you think it'll be Mark? I really do. Yeah. I, I think uh, that's that, and I think part of that was you know and, and you know I don't put any blame on Leonard. That was no. a tough spot. Maybe like you know cup that backhand's a good shot. Maybe the the five hole from McKinnon, but you know there wasn't much help on other ones. There's no. backdoor plays, tap ins. The passing, they were snapping it around. Uh, it was one of those games where, you know, he had to take one for the team. They, they, he didn't have much help. And why he did that and why he didn't switch the goal is because you want to rest Flurry so he can start game two. <laughs> Shane was awesome. Stop showing Flurry. He's yes. not going in. Uh, that was bothered what he was me. Saying. Yes. Uh, Dakota, do you want to uh, chime in on, on who do you think will start in goal? Because that was the question from Shane to you, a little reversal. Yeah. Uh, I think Flurry. Yeah. Uh, he uh, got you through uh, Minnesota. Okay. He's a Vesna finalist for a reason. You, you're right, Vesna finalist. Yeah, uh, we started the we show on that. Look, look at that, uh, Dakota Miller. Full circle. Like, just Full circle. tying it like you're a great stand-up comedian. Like, you always tie it back in at at the end. Well done. Not that you were trying to be funny here. I'm just thinking of uh, stand-up comedians uh, who try and do that. Uh, Dakota Miller making sure that we're uh, on the air and uh, doing the uh, – our job of uh, bringing you the analysis of the Vegas Golden Knights and Jared Justice uh, back at Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ready. So game number... Yeah, I'm ready to watch game two. Excited. It's kind of weird not having a game every second day. Uh, it is. But we'll don't, we'll be right back on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Starting tomorrow and then, uh, of course, Friday back here at home. Full capacity. Full capacity. Cannot wait 
to be in T-Mobile at the Fortress and see how loud that can get. Only one game tonight in the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Tampa Bay Lightning looking for a 2-0 series lead against the Carolina Hurricanes and then a little bit busier uh, tomorrow night with Game 2, uh, part of the schedule for the Vegas Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, thanks for doing this, Shane. I, I think, uh, again, we should turn this into a we daily should. thing. Yeah. We should. I'll get uh, Gary's permission and we'll move forward. <laughs> <laughs> Gary has to sign off on everything. Gary Lawless, uh, VGK Insider. For all of us, I'm Darren Millard. Thanks for listening. VGK Insider Show comes up at 4 o'clock.